What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Eddie Knight. On today's episode of Four Artists by Artists, we have a special guest. This guy's brushed shoulders with some of the most iconic hip-hop artists you can name. He's a 20-year hip-hop veteran, and he's also the founder of One West Magazine, a magazine displaying the talents of up-and-coming artists as well as some of the projects of veterans as well. We're going to be talking about publishing, royalties, as well as the importance of guarding your creativity. So stay tuned. Epidemic, what's going on, man? Good to have you on the show. I appreciate you, man. How you doing? I am good, man. Uh, I've been watching you on Instagram for a while, man. So I really appreciate you doing it, man. Uh, I, I've been peeping your hustle and your grind. And I noticed you've been doing this for a while. So I just felt like you were somebody that people could learn a lot from, man. That's dope. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I've been out here doing it for quite a while. I'm not no spring chicken, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for sure, man. So uh, I know you probably get this question a lot, but when did you actually like start seriously grinding and making music? Okay. I say, Professionally, actually putting music out with an actual tangible product, 1998. All right, Smice, that's what's up, man. I was, I was like, I was like six years old. Man, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've to be honest, I was like used to start out rapping was like freestyling and stuff like that, and that was back in junior high school. So, yeah. for me, that's 1987. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, the, the, the hip hop thing, man. It's it's it's. I when it first, I mean, when it first started, you know. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. Is my next door neighbor, his older brother. So we're talking 1985. I was nine, yeah. nine years old, and his neighbor was a DJ, and he was scratching. That's the first time I ever heard scratching. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, was playing this record i never heard nothing like it me and my older brother like what is that like you know and we we opened our slide our side our side window we're like what what, what do you play you know we because we grew up listening to fleetwood mac prince you know all, all that type of stuff from the late 70s okay. early 80s and he was playing dougie fresh and slick rick the show and he was scratching and I was like, wow. He's like, this is, this is hip hop. You know, what is it? You know? And so that was the first time I was, me and my brother were actually introduced to what hip hop is, was Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh, the show. That's what's up, man. Dougie, uh, I didn't even know that they had like projects together to be honest, but I rock with both of those guys. Uh, I remember I grew up in the nineties. So I was, uh, put on the slick rig pretty early. Um, and I just mess with how he told stories and stuff, but that, that's really dope, man. Right. Right. Growing up on the West coast, how does that like, uh, affect your sound? Do you get most of your influence from the West coast? So it's crazy. Um, you know, I'm a Gardena native for people who don't know Southern California. Gardena is right next door to Compton. So, so the one ten freeway mm -hmm. is what separates it. So, okay. um, you know, it was a crazy time in the eighties, you know what I'm saying? Over there, it was real. Um, and nineties, yeah. of course too, but the West coast is, I mean, I grew up listening to East coast hip hop, you know, big daddy Kane, EPMD, mm -hmm. Kim, you know, um, but West coast is heavily influenced because out here, the, the street and gang culture is like generational deep already. And it's so heavy. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's basically out here. It's like when you meet somebody or, or, you know, it, it always comes to like 
first thing everyone asks, oh, well, where are they from? I mean, and that's that's common. That's it's crazy. The the gang culture is very heavy, and that's why a lot of the music out the West Coast always has that gang street element to it. Regardless, I yeah. even hear it in Kendrick Lamar. He's not a gangster rapper, but it's even in his content because that's just how the culture is out here. So it has a big, big, you know, effect on how everybody over here does their music um, compared to down south and and the East Coast. So the West Coast people here, in the West Coast, were very proud of of our particular sound, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, I, I, everyone knows the West coast beat. It's going to have, we call it the Zap and Roger clap, <laughs> you know, eight away clap basically. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and it evolved into having a lot of pianos and strings, you know, it's, it's not really uh sample based heavy at all, you know? So, but it's, it's, yeah, people just take, take a lot of pride in, in the sound over here. And a lot of artists, they stick to that sound and they don't like switching it up, which it's cool, but it also it hinders, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Uh, I definitely can hear the, the West Coast sound in the production you use for sure. And I mean, <laughs> a lot of that has a lot to do with Dre, I'm pretty sure. Like, to my knowledge, he was one of the first to really kind of, I mean, he sampled too. Right. But he was one of the first to really start using, like, just from scratch beats, you know what I mean? So right. That's definitely kind of stayed in y'all's, in y'all's, in y'all's music for sure. And I, I mess with a lot of people out there, like, you know, YG and, you know, some of the new guys, but I grew up on a lot of West Coast music because that's kind of what my older sister listened to. So okay. I listened to like a lot of Bay Area music and I know Compton and the Bay Area are not necessarily like in the same area. Right. So kind of what's the what's the difference between between that? Because I, I listen to a lot of E-40, right. uh, Mac Dre, a lot of that type of stuff growing up. So funny thing is people trip out because I'm such, I'm so heavy into lyrics and like MC, like, you know, like lyrical content. I'm heavy in that. Like I love bars, I love yeah. metaphors, all that stuff, rhythmic patterns. But my favorite rapper of all time is too short. And people trip out like, that's like the most non-lyrical motherfucker, <laughs> you know, <out> there. <laughs> but I just like him for what he is. So being that said is the Bay area is, I've always said it's an offshoot of, Southern California, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it but they just yeah. evolved and they want their own sound. Um, but the Bay is, is, I always say the Bay area should be its own state. It's, you know, because they're, they're, they're an offshoot of what we do, but it's like, they have created their own sound, their own movement, just everything. And, and they stick with that. You know what I'm saying? And, and people yeah. accept it. Like if you listen to Mag Dre, you listen to too short, you listen to the loonies, you know, what Drew Dow was doing back then, you know, uh, Messi Mar, you know, all, all that, you know, you can see that they got their sound, you know what I'm saying? And it's dope. Yeah. It's dope. But their, their, their sound has always been about hustling and pimping, getting, that's, yeah, it. Sure. that's all it's about. You know what I'm saying? They're not big on the, I mean, there's, there's some of the gang stuff in there, but not, not heavy, not like, Southern California, you know, that, 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 that seven hour drive, eight hour drive is, is a big difference. You know what I'm saying? in just the culture itself. Back in the day, I see that you had your, your distribution deal or whatever. And I had a distribution deal for a couple of years too. And, and man, if you don't mind mm -hmm. for people listening, could you go ahead and kind of explain exactly what a distribution deal is and did that? And how did that, you know, how was that experience for you? So what people need to understand is a distribution deal. So like there's different routes to go about now. Nowadays there's different routes. So like you can, 
go to DistroKid and you pay your whatever $20 a year, whatever their fee is, and yeah. that you submit your music and they put it out. They submit it to everybody. Uh, same thing like CD Baby, um, Two Core. These are all companies that do that. Now, the difference between that and having an actual distribution deal, like, for example, my distribution deal right now is with Empire. I've been with Empire since they pretty much first started back in 2009. Okay. Uh, I don't pay them any money. Yeah. You know, I have, they, they give me access to what is called a portal. And a portal is basically, um, I log on to their server and I upload albums, music, videos, and select the release date and they send it out and it goes out and you can keep track of where, how many are getting sold, how many are getting streamed, where it's getting streamed at. It's just, it's dope. It shows you everything what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, they can't take their small percentage. You know, everyone's deal is different. Some people have 60, 40 deals where the artists keep 60, they keep 40, some have 70, 30, some have 80, 20, and there's occasionally a 90, 10. That's rare. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the difference with having this reason deal is I'm not paying money to put my music out. That's it. Right. And, and, and a label like Empire, they've, they've grown, they have Grammys and now they're, they're pretty big time, you know? So the, streaming companies and all that, they tend to look more favorable on, on artists putting stuff out to them. So they kind of yeah. everywhere instantaneous, like distro kid you'll see, or two core, you'll see the artist be like, Oh, album's coming out today and it'll be out for sale on iTunes and Amazon, but it may not be on Spotify for like another four days. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right. it's kind of like when you have the deal with these certain labels, like whether it's empire, Sony orchard or, or in grooves, they're, like majors, you know what I'm saying? They're, 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 they're major distribution uh, companies. So all these companies, they mm -hmm. make sure that they come out right on time. It's like, boom, because they bring so much music and it's so much revenue was created by them. So, I mean, I tell people all the time, people say, oh, you get a distribution deal. Now it, it's hard to get a deal nowadays because there's so much content people are putting out. And so yeah. they, what, what they ask is they basically give you now uh, like an application basically. And they, and it, it breaks down to like, all right, how many songs do you have? How many songs or albums have you put out? What, how, how many have sold? How many have streamed? They want to see, is you, are you pushing content or are you just putting stuff out and no one's buying or listening to it? Because if they say, mm -hmm. you know, well, okay, I, I only have one album out and it's 10 songs and you know, it only has, you know, 500 streams. They're going to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, you're not ready because you're not, you're going to take up space. So I tell people, you know, until you can build a catalog and get momentum going, go to DistroKid. Work, I mean, I think they're the, yeah. they're the best ones right now, you know, as opposed to Core or CD Baby. DistroKid, they, they, they got their stuff together pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what's up, man. I actually use DistroKid right now, and I really like it. But a few years ago, I did have a little distribution deal mm -hmm. through a, I wouldn't call them a major, but they're pretty uh, pretty well-known independently. It's a record label called Bentley Records. Oh, yeah. I had a, a distribution deal through them. And basically how it worked, they hit me up or whatever. We went through the paperwork. And I paid in. It was just Ooh. one initial payment. I paid like 200 bucks. Oh, wow. And it was like, like a three-year contract or whatever mm -hmm. and they pretty much released you know however much music i wanted to release okay uh and it was dope or whatever 
but it was still just it, I didn't get like crazy exposure from it. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could have just did the exact same thing on my own, so I ended up leaving. But it was cool to not have to you know make artwork and not have to worry about release dates and none of that stuff. But yeah, kind of like what you said, I definitely encourage people to go to like distro kid or something if they're not getting a lot of streams and making a lot of money from it yeah and and i mean another thing is a lot of times you'll get certain company record they call them record labels and what they do is they have distribution through these larger companies like for example bentley Rex. i've heard of them from what i understand they have their own distribution deal through i don't know if it's sony orchard or whoever it is and what they're doing is they say, oh, get music distributed, and they charge you a fee, and then they put it through mm-hmm. theirs. So what people got to understand, if your distribution deal is not through an actual distributor that, that puts the music yeah. themselves, the pie is getting breaking up more. So that's, for example, that's, that's like, uh, for example, I have Bad Seed Entertainment. That's my record label, and my distribution is with Empire. <coughs> If, if if I start going out there, which I don't do this, but if I say, okay, get midget distributed, I can put it out, and I say it's going to cost you X amount of dollars, and people are like, oh, man, I'm distributed through Bad Seed Entertainment. <laughs> well, it's through Bad Seed, through Empire. So guess what? Right. It, the, you think you're out of 100%. You think you're getting, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to give you 80%. Well, you're not getting a true 80%. It's getting broken up more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. people got to educate themselves on how, how the structure works. And and if if somebody says, oh, I'll give you distribution, it's going to cost you this much. Basically, they're just trying to find a way to make revenue for their label. You know what I'm saying? Because really distribution mm-hmm. deals, they shouldn't cost you anything. Like I never paid yeah. for, like I was with, before empire and i didn't pay for that and that's universal you know what i'm saying empire i didn't pay to have my distribution deal i mean i had momentum going on so they knew who i was for my relationships and and the the little deal i had before and this and that but i always say if you're gonna pay you might as well just get with a company like distro kid you know that because if you're gonna pay 200 three four hundred dollars for a situation you're just putting money in this company's pocket that's it that's it. So you got to really educate yourself and understand, man, because because these other people, they're going to, you know, they they have access to their portals. They see exactly what's moving and what's not. And, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, they, they'll fuck around and tell you, be like, oh, well, you, you're not really selling that much, not this and that, you know. And if you don't request that spreadsheet from the distributor to see it, you'll never know. You know, so people really have to educate themselves. Yeah, for sure, man. And that, that's pretty much how I was feeling. And uh, I always made sure I requested those spreadsheets like every month or whatever. And basically, once it got to the point where I was, you know, I had broke even or whatever, I just kind of left because I felt like I could do it myself through Distro Kid. And then I, I realized it wasn't, it was being cut up a little bit more because the initial percentage was 80 20. Right. But I could tell it was, you know, once I did a little more research, could obviously tell they were going through somebody else, right? Which, which wouldn't have been a, a huge deal if I was like super popping and getting hundreds of thousands of streams a month or something. But for the little I was doing, I could have made more money on my own. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So you know, I think people just get too pumped up about oh distribution, <clears throat> distribution, and and they don't really understand 
the schematics and, and the percentages and what they mean and what they're entitled to. And, you know, it, it's crazy. And there's so much more involved, you know, it, you know, you, you, that, I mean, that goes into also having your, your ASCAP BMI and, and all that information together. So when you release a song that, that all that information gets put in before when you release it, and it's just, it's just so much. And, and a lot of artists are just not up on it. They just want to put music out. And, and that's, that's, that's why you got so many SoundCloud rappers now. And then it's like, they're putting music out. They're not making the full amount of money they could be making on their, on their, on their music. And then people get, you know, discouraged and I'm not making no money. And this is this, you know, it's like, well, you know, you're not doing your business. You're not handling your business. Right. You know, out the gate, all you want to do is I just want to put music out. I'll be popping. And, and the fact of the matter is you're not going to be popping because your music's not right. It don't matter how dope you are. Yeah, pretty much, man. I, I definitely, um, got onto that BMI and ASCAP stuff pretty early, man. But I, I will admit, man, at first, that's just a lot of, it's real confusing at first. So right. a lot of people just really get kind of discouraged from that too, when they don't even want to mess with the business side of stuff. But which one do you use? You use ASCAP or BMI? Yeah, I'm with ASCAP. I've been with them forever. Yeah, ASCAP. And, and, and you know, I'm real big on the business aspect of it. And I've spent a lot of years, a lot of time learning it and I'm still learning every day. I don't claim to know everything, but it just amazes me how people just, they don't, most of these things are free. Like, I mean, granted ASCAP, you got paid for your writers, your publishing, you know, it's like what 50 or a hundred bucks. And, and it's like, you get that, you register your songs and they just track your shit for you. That's it. But then the, I also explain to people like you need to register your songs with BDS and media base, which is free. You just upload the MP3 and create an account, upload it, title it, put the ISRC code. Like this is all free stuff. Like, and it's like, people don't get it and that they wonder why they're not making money. It's like, it's, it's people just don't educate themselves. And, and people are just so caught up with these are so caught up with just being pop, being famous that they forget that in a day, this is the music business, not the music party. You know what I'm saying? And, and you have to have your music business, right? Otherwise you will never win ever. But yeah, man, you dropped your, um, your listening to your own risk album in Oh four. Yeah. Um, was that through distribution as well? Or was that independent? Did you release it yourself? How'd you go about Believe it or not, I did that through CD baby. In 2004. Okay. Yeah, I, I was because that was before I had the the situation with the um, Hoopla LRT Universal, all that nonsense. That was a couple of years before that. So I did that through that because projects before that I've had projects before that, that we just hustled in the street. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. crazy. So that was like. The first time I was like, okay, I'm actually mess with this distribution. That was really, there was really no streaming, nothing like that yet. It was just, you get your CDs pressed up, mail it to them and they put them for sale. And you know what I'm saying? So it was like, it, it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? And I had messed with before that, like taking the product and going to local distributors. Like for example, out here, the swap meets are a real big thing out here in Southern California. Yeah. And so you would hit up, there's different distributors these 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 mom and pop distributors so you go down to downtown la and there's one guy he'll say okay man i got the new album here's the posters flyers i got the cd play it for them and i want to want you guys buy a bunch and those if they like it they think they can push it they'll say okay hey i'll go ahead and buy a thousand and they cash you out right there boom 
And then you go to the next distributor, like, you know, then a couple cities down. Hey, that's what I got. Boom. So you would run around for one whole day and get off five to 10,000 CDs and they'd pay you out. Boom, boom, boom. But if it does, if it didn't sell, you come back with the next product. They're like, nah, man, them didn't sell too good. I'm not messing with you. So that's how we did it before. You know what I'm saying? The, the digital age really stepped in. So with that product, I had physicals. I was still selling them like that. But then I was like, I'm going to do this online thing. And that's what that project, listening on risk, that's, that was that. Yeah, that's what's up, man. It's crazy how times have started to change, man, even starting back then. But I mean, I started in 2015 and even then streaming was a lot different. It wasn't it was still a thing, but it wasn't as dominant. Like I still sold a lot of physical copies of mixtapes and we didn't have like uh swap meets or anything down here in the south like right. that but you know I do kind of the same thing you were doing with the swap meets mm-hmm. but i would do it with like barber shops right. and like small gatherings and stuff like that so even back in three or four years ago like it was still pretty popular to buy that physical album right but it seems now it's like it's kind of like all streaming man i'm surprised some people still even sell physicals yeah yeah it, it really is and then and i mean i say is is dope but it's not you know so it's like it's just open to where anybody can put music out like and there's like it's i mean if they say something like what they say like in the united states each day like forty five thousand songs are released or something crazy like that it's like retarded you know so it's like you know how do you stand out back then you have more of a chance you know because you're out there hustling cds that people just couldn't they listen on the radio or a cd you know, so you had more of a fighting chance. You know, you could be out there, hit the parking lots of uh, of the stadium where the ball game's going. You can hustle. You'll you'll make a quick fifteen hundred in in two hours. You know, selling CDs. You know, and now it's like people don't want CDs because, face it, everyone's on their phone. You know, and and uh, I mean, I don't know. It's dope, but I, I was looking at. You know, I have Spotify Premium. You know, so I, that's all I listen to everything on on my phone. Spotify. I don't even listen to the radio. And each year it gives you, lets you know how many, you know, uh, hours that you've listened. And it showed me from 2015 to 2019, 2015, I listened to a total of 5,000 hours. And like (laughs) this year is like 60 fucking thousand. Like, it's like crazy. I'm like, holy crap. In four years, that's how much more I've listened to it. So I know if I listen to that, people are listening to that plus more, you know? So it really shows the shift in how people are consuming their music. And it's strictly digital on your phone. You Bluetooth everything. Yeah, man. I'm glad you said that, man. I have this conversation with people a lot. and We talk about like whether or not, I mean, it's hard regardless, but whether or not it was easier back then or easier now. And people like to say it's easier now just because the, that's a very, very slim chance that you can go viral or get seen. Right. But that that's so like slim and there's so many people on the internet that I feel like at, at least at the bare minimum, it evens out. Cause like back in the day, you may have be able to pull up on somebody, uh, an executive or A&R and rap and mess around and get signed. Like that shit ain't, that, that ain't flying today. Ain't nobody looking for people on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all these other places, man. Right. Right. I mean, end of the day, even now, like it has been then, it's all about who you know. That that's it's it's still true today. You know, for you to be be caught on some viral type shit or someone seeing your thing, like 
Like still someone has to show it to them or they're just by accident looking on YouTube or Wolfstar or Vivo or whatever. But all the people that have ever had a situation happen is because they made effort to try and get to them or they met somebody that knew somebody. And, you know, that's how it always happens. I mean, that's how I got my when I had that 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 deal back in the 08. That's how I got my shit. You know, that this guy is a publicist and he seen my my MySpace because I was doing some promotional stuff on MySpace. Seen it and, okay. and reached out to me like, you're dope. What, what, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? And then he's the one who took it to, you know, you guys got to put this guy's music out. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's crazy, man. It, I, I still say it's still kind of the same way now. It's just what nowadays does with the Internet and all that. It allows people to take their marketing in their own hands. You don't you know, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. And if and if 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 you're independent and you don't have to answer to nobody, you can do and say whatever. So it's really opened the floodgates for people to just be creative as hell and, and do wild shit, crazy shit. And it's crazy, you know? So it's really forcing everybody to become marketing gurus basically in their own right. And that's what, that's where the game is now. You have to know how to market yourself and how to interact with the consumers. Yeah, man, you can't only be an artist anymore, which is kind of one of the harder things for people who aren't like super business minded. But it's definitely opened up the floodgates, man. And and you can definitely take your career into your own hands. But you do need a little bit of money, man, to do this stuff. Is why I tell people as well, man, you got to have some money that's doing some marketing and some promotion and all that good stuff. Right. Definitely. Definitely. You can't, you know, you, you just can't do something and not invest. I mean, you know, I'm a business owner myself, you know, I'm, you know, and it's like, that's like me running my business and saying, okay, I'm going to order all this materials and get this product sold out. I'm not going to pay the supplier. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for shipping. Fuck you. I'm just going to take all the money in. Guess what's going to happen in 30 days. Guess what? They're not going to give you no more supplies, no more material, nothing. You're stuck. Right. You know? So it's like, you have to spend money to get money. You know, and, and everybody has to has to eat, you know, and everyone has jobs. Everyone got kids to feed and moms and dads and aunties, uncles and and bills to pay. And so, you know, you just got to be it forces us to be smart businessmen and and be able to, you know, sift through the bullshit like, OK, this co- this so-called company, they're obviously charging way too much for their service and it's not going to be beneficial for me. So it's forcing you right. to do your due diligence and do your research before just like, Oh, Oh, oh what a thousand dollars. You're going to put me everywhere. But well, you know, it, 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 people got to really do their homework, man. Hell yeah, man. That's for sure, bro. And one thing that I did notice is you also said you had a, a platform, right? Like you have that one West magazine. Yes. Uh, like a platform for independent artists. Is it online? Is it, uh, pressed up copies like how do y'all yeah, it, how do y'all run it's that? actually both um this is something that uh my my good friend i call him my brother og suicide um we were talking about is like in 2009 and we were having a phone conversation like we do regularly brainstorm and stuff and he was saying you know we need to do something man i don't know we need to come up with something new to do and, and I said, you know, let's do a platform for independent artists because there's, you know, it's like there's no way for a lot of artists to get on and, and, and showcase themselves the right way. And he said, let's do a magazine. 
And I'm like, cool, you know, because end of the day, my background, uh, what I do for a living is graphic design work. I have a, a banner sign company, and I understand the print. Okay. I understand printing and 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 you know layouts and all that. And so I said, cool. I said, you know, let's use my my you know my expertise in that, and let's figure it out. And so after throwing some names around, you know, he was, you know, like, oh, let's call it, you know, get familiar and magazine. I'm like, that doesn't like, nah, bro, that's not it. You know? And at the time he had a clothing line, he was pushing and it was called one West. And, mm-hmm. and I told him, I said, you know, I go, your hoodie jackets, those are selling. Like it's got a name out here. You know, and people are even in, it was like in Japan and Southern California, like he was selling a lot of clothing. And so I said, cool, I said, let's call it One West Magazine. Keep the brand consistent. And so that's what we did. And, you know, the first issue we, um, you know, he, he he's from Compton. So, and, you know, he's an older cat. So he, he, and he knows he's very well respected in the streets out here, you know? And so we used our relationships, got the first issue ready, and we had Problem on the front cover. That's when that Like What song came out that he had. It was on the radio everywhere and big. So yeah, yeah. we kept it going, man. and and. And we have this magazine that we do quarterly and we get some great people on the cover. We've had uh, Amber Rose. We've had Tech Nine. We've had Sugar St. Mosley. Uh, we had Sick Jackin. Uh, we had uh, <laughs> Nick Cannon on there a, few, uh, a couple of years, two or three years, two or three years ago. Um, okay. You know, the issue right now, we're, we're, we're trying to clear these photos, but, you know, we got offset for the next issue. And, you know, we, we've had some big top tier, you know, acts on the cover, you know, and uh, we just and it allows us to get artists that want to be interviewed, like, you know, to where they're like, hey, you know, that you try and get in the magazine like Vibe magazine, Rolling Stone. You're not going to get in unless you have a record deal or a ton of money, because if you want to buy in those magazines, you're paying 10 to 20 grand. You know, just for yeah, just yeah. for a page. I mean, it is what it is. And so, you know, we we do it way more affordable. Like it's like, you know, we do deals where an artist be like, hey, you know, most of these smaller magazines, they charge in twelve hundred, fifteen hundred to get in a magazine. And we're like, well, sh- man, we'll put you in this thing for for you know, four hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, and, and people are like, Yeah, hell you got Tech Nine on the cover, or you got Amber Rose, and and it sells. We have it distributed in liquor stores and Barnes and Noble. So it's you know, and, and it's also online with the website, and and we also have the One West Radio. So it's all like this whole conglomerate, and it's just dope, and and we're always just like trying to help out, you know, independent artists out here, man, that just, they can't get in these bigger magazines. So that, that, that's the whole basis why we created that was just an outlet, you know, for, for artists that, that take their craft serious and they got projects or they really want to promote themselves and they're trying to open up to a larger audience. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Giving back. And uh, you said offset and tech nine. I was going to ask if you only did West coast acts, but I see y'all do, uh, people from kind of all over. So that's really dope, man, that you're giving people a platform and most importantly, making it affordable because like I tell artists all the time, they're always shooting for trying to like get at these big record labels and these big magazines right. and trying to pay like $7,000 to get on world star and all this crazy stuff, man. But it's like a lot of independent publications kind of like y'all who, you know, don't charge people a lot of money and they get some pretty good, you know, 
traffic through their websites and on their brands. Right. So that, that's really dope that you've got that moving out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like I said, we we print them, we physically print them too. So, you know, people get pumped up. They're like, wow, there's not many printed magazines left. And they're right there in the store, right next to Vibe magazine, you know, next to Rolling Stone. And it's, you know, it's dope. You know, people, people get pumped up about it. And it's, you know, it's a way for us to kind of, you know, get back to the artist. And I wish when I was younger, grinding, trying to make it happen that someone would have done that when I was way younger, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I believe in pushing forward, you know, this entertainment, this hip hop and, and, and keeping it in the forefront and bringing quality content to the consumers. Cause there's not much of that nowadays. People just put anything out, you know? But you, I see you got your new single trader out, man. Is there anything else that you're working on nowadays and you got anything coming? Man, I got a working on my next album. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to finish up these last few songs and uh, I'm hoping, hoping I'll have it out by the end of January. So I'm not going to say the title of it yet. Cause every time I do that, people start like people be stealing my ideas, man. It's always these, these major artists, man, it's crazy, you know? And so I just, I'm not going to say the title yet, but as soon as it gets put in the system and it's ready to come out, then I'll start speaking on it. But yeah, it's going to be dope. Like it's going to be about 14 or 15 songs getting ready for that. And just up until then, I've just been putting out singles for all of 2019, just single after single after single. Yeah, man, I follow you on IG and I've definitely been seeing, you know, those single releases and I've been keeping up with them and seeing you performing kind of around the state and all that and doing all the interviews, man. You're really moving around and really working. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as far as like I heard you mention something about like bigger artists kind of stealing ideas, is that something that's kind of happened to you before in the past oh, yeah. that you've noticed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, I, I'll tell you a story, which this was, oh, like 2009. I want to say, um, I did a song. I was asked to do a song for, um, another artist that was signed to a major label and like, like ghostwriter for him or something. Well, well, no, he was signed. No, he was actually an artist. Um, and <laughs> I did a song with him and the, the production was, was by DJ Khalil and it was a dope, okay. dope record. And he had a guy doing the hook. I can't remember who the artist was doing. That hook was, was amazing. And I did my verse and, you know, just did what I do, send him, send him the session. And the homie was like, man, this is amazing record. This is dope. He's going to turn it in for his album, turn it in. And then I don't know what happened. And then, uh, the main, the main artist on that label put an album out. And this is a major artist. I mean, we're talking icon status. And listening to his album, I'm a fan of the artist, listen to the album. And this is like, I don't know, like third song on the album. And this beat is basically the same beat. I was like, yo, that's the beat me and the homie did that song on, you know? And it's the same producer. Yeah. So it's like the producer took the beat, maybe just changed a few things. And then there's a guy singing very similar to the hook that the other homie did. And then this artist starts his rhyme scheme and he's doing like a singing type. I'm like, yo, that's my flow, <laughs> you know? And I called the homie. I'm like, bro, uh, what's going on? He's like, yeah, man, I know. And I'm like, what happened? He says, bro, that's, that's major label politics. And they heard something. They liked that record. So they just, flipped it and did their version of it. I'm like, wow. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, and then there's been some other times 
when I will do interviews and, and I talk about stuff, concepts, and then all of a sudden, like literally like 60 days later, <laughs> an art of major artist comes out and it's like, yo, seriously. I'm like, wow, that's like my concept I talked about. So, you know, the, the, I tell people all the time, don't speak too much of your stuff. Like you're coming up stuff like product and, and, and projects and, and ideas, because trust me, these ARs and other artists, they're listening because when they get to a certain level and they have money, they, they get comfortable. And then when you're comfortable, the, the creative, con- creative concepts kind of fall back. You know what I'm saying? Cause they don't have that hunger no more. So I tell people, man, just be careful, man. Don't, you know, don't put all your, your eggs up in the basket in front of everybody to see until you actually have it out ready to come out. Cause if you already have it set to come out, boom, it's coming out like in a week, no one can steal it and create something in a week. You know what I'm saying? That's quality. So yeah. So I, yeah. you gotta be, you gotta be careful with that, man. People will steal concepts, you know, and, and it's, it's crazy. And, and I have homies that are writers and artists and, and there's one artist I work with and, he did a song recorded at my home studio and, and had a girl come see the hook. And, and it was like a, a takeoff of Mary J. Blige song back in the early nineties. Okay. And Hey, he was talking about it, played it for some people and no joke, literally not even 30 days later, Snoop Dogg came out with a song, similar beat, same exact hook. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, wow. And he was like, God damn it. I should have played this for so and so. I was like, wow, really? So yeah, it happens, man. Yeah, that's that's a crazy thing about the industry, man. You'll you'll never know how many of like hits from your favorite artists, like they that that song probably just landed in their lap and they just threw a verse on it, you know what I mean? And it became like a huge hit, but it wasn't even their original song. Right. It's real. Yeah, I've never known anybody that had it happen to them as an artist, but I have a lot of producer homies that that's happened to them on the production tip where they make a beat and they put it out on YouTube and they don't have their business right. So it's not registered. And then another producer will come by and use the exact same melody, mm. exact same drum pattern, just kind of throw some different sounds in the background and give it to a major artist, wow. you know, pass it off as their own. Yeah, yeah it's, a cold, it's a cold game, that's for sure. Yeah, man, you got to have some tough skin and you ain't got to say who the artist was that jacked your idea, man, on, on the air. But I would definitely like to know. Who <laughs> I, I got I'll t- off air. I'll, I'll tell you, I got some other stories. I'll tell you be like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Bet, bet, bet for sure, man. But but in closing, man, I know you said you were working on your album, um, 14 to 15 tracks. One thing that I have noticed about the game as of late is. As you were saying, you have been putting out a lot of singles this year. And, you know, that's been kind of the thing, putting out singles and very short albums, like, you know, five to seven tracks and people are calling them out. Right. So kind of what are your thoughts on that and how the album and the idea of the album has kind of changed? Well, I mean, I think albums, if you look back at albums in the 80s, I mean, if you look at Michael Jackson's Thriller, that thing was only eight songs, if I remember correctly. Um, True. Anything seven songs or less is an, is an EP, which is, you know, an extended play. Um, for, so an album can be eight songs and up. So I think what's going on now is, is people are kind of getting back to that because if you know how major labels work is they only pay you for up to so many songs. So when artists are putting right. out like 20 song albums, 
they were just making making songs and they're putting out trying to complete their contract. You know what I'm saying? So people, all, all the cats who don't know the game, they're out here like, oh man, this dude put out double CD. That's 32 songs. Oh man, I got to do the same thing. Cause people are always trying to compete with major artists, but they don't understand they're under contract. So they have so many songs they got to release and so many albums. So they're trying to get out of that contract as soon as possible. So they can get all their bread, maybe may go independent or whatever. Um, I think it's dope. I mean, you can do an eight, nine song album. I've done it, you know, and, and as long as the songs are not like a minute and a half or two minutes and they're actually full length songs, three, four, four and a half minutes, then I think it's fine. And as long as it's good content and good concepts. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of cats, these young, these younger cats are doing songs that are literally like a minute and 45 seconds. And it's like, and most of it is like a hook, right? Okay, bro. That's like a demo. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I'm not, yeah, against, yeah. I'm not against having short albums. I think as long as it has a replay replay factor to it is great. I mean, Bruno Mars, 20 K magic. That was only like nine songs. I think it wasn't very long, but every song was just incredible, you know? So it's just, I think hip hop rap music, they, people have put unexpected, like, like they, they, they want so much and they don't want to give nothing. Like we're like, Oh, you got your, your album is only, only nine songs was you know 25 okay but out of those 25 guess what 20 of them were fillers you only had five decent songs and out of those five only one was like a certified banger so i don't know i think if people just concentrate on doing quality music with the replay factor i think it'll be all right whether it's eight songs or 20 songs but i always say you know keep it simple stupid you know keep it short keep it sweet keep it banging Hell yeah, man. That's definitely some dope advice, man. And uh, I kind of feel the same way about it. Like, I've never was, unless it's like an artist that I really, really like, I've never been a fan of, like, the really long albums. I understood why they did them. And I understood why I stand why people still do them now. You know, the more songs you have out, the more streaming, streamability you have. So right. I get it. But I, I do like the shorter, confined, you know, nine to ten song albums. Right. My whole thing is, like, length. Like, I feel like an album should at least you should at least give me like thirty minutes. You know what I'm saying? If it's anything less than that, I feel like it's I don't know, it's kind of like an idea or an EP or something like right, that. Right, right, exactly, exactly. I'm with you on that one. But all right, man. So coming to an end, man. You said you got your album that you're working on, and you want to uh, keep that under wraps, and that's definitely cool with that. But is there anything, uh, any advice, or anything you want to tell the people before we get out of here? I'd say any artists that are just starting. And trying to get into this music game, understand when you're just, if you just started rapping, it takes you 10 years to figure out your sound. Um, if you're not willing to put in 10 years of making no money, spending money, being rejected, doing shows for free, then don't get in the music game. If you don't, if you don't love, the music, whether it's hip hop, rock, or whatever it is, if you don't truly love it and it's not in your heart and soul, don't do it. If you just want to do music for fame, don't do it. Um, it costs a lot of money. I mean, you know, you can get into <laughs> to the music game and, you know, just to build a decent quality studio. Sure, you can get an inbox or whatever, a, a focus right interface in the computer. But if you to be able to have that quality sound and compete, you're going to spend a whole lot of money. 
you know? So, you know, I say people, it, it can be a hobby. That's great, but you got to make it more than a hobby. If you want to do, if you want to make it pop off and you got to, and you got to build a team, get a solid team. And when I say a team, I don't mean just a bunch of other people that rap with you. Get somebody that that does videos. Get somebody that will make phone calls. Get somebody that help book shows. Build a solid team. Without a solid team, you're not going to go very far. One hundred percent, man. I definitely second that message, man. It, it does cost a lot of money, man. But what I the advice I give people, man, like I don't know, we, we grow up and we're kind of taught to be like employees, and we have this real like nine to five mindset. But like how I view this rap stuff, man, or any of this music stuff, is kind of like going to college bro you know if you want to go to college and get your doctorate it's going to take you about eight years in that eight years you ain't making no money from your field you're going to be in a lot of debt and you're just going to be doing a lot of learning man so i I tell people to kind of go in with that same mindset when they start music man right exactly exactly definitely man but all right man epidemic i really appreciate you coming on and doing this episode a lot of information a lot of tips and tricks that people can learn from and uh, a lot of business advice in here. If you people are really listening and just getting started with this music stuff, uh, anybody listening, guys, I really want you to, um, if you did like this episode, please consider going to patreon.com slash F-A-B-A pod and becoming a Patreon. This kind of helps me keep artists like this coming on and giving good content as well as keeps me being able to drop these episodes. Um, but anyways, guys, that was it. That's my yummy boy, Eddie Knight, and that is Epidemic. And this is for artists by artists.